Welcome to the podcast from Church of the Nazarene. Please subscribe to this podcast for the latest updates and new episodes. And you can also search for the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. We also invite you to join us each Sunday morning at 9 on our YouTube channel or Facebook Live. You can also join us in person at 9 or 1030 for our English services or 1145 for our Spanish service. We also invite you to join Celebrate Recovery every Monday night at 630. Thanks for listening. Adrian here, and I miss being with you. I look forward to seeing you here in just a few weeks as I return from my sabbatical. But you picked a great day to be at Church of the Nazarene because today, one of my best friends in ministry, Mike Souter, is here to bring the word. If you don't know Mike, uh, for 19 years now, he has served in ministry on the staff at Grace Covenant Church. He currently serves there as an associate pastor. But, spoiler alert, this September, he becomes, he transitions into the lead pastor role at that church. It's been incredible to see God work through his life and his ministry. We became really good friends as, as together. He had the vision to launch Renew Camp, but for 10 years together, we helped lead uh, that ministry to our, our students across churches in our community. And we've continued to stay uh, just great friends in this season of ministry. So today, my heart is full knowing that you get to hear the word uh, from a godly man, a man that, that's seeking after the Lord. And I know today you're going to be encouraged uh, and, and God's going to work and move as Mike brings the word this morning. Would you join me in just providing a thunderous applause and welcome, Mike. It's so weird to be introduced by video. Good morning, my name is Mike Souter, um, as you just could see. I'm married to a woman named Mercy, and we have three kids in high school and middle school. It is my privilege to be with you today. I want to start by saying something you probably all already know, hopefully you all know, Adrian really is a one in a million pastor. He really is. He really is extraordinary. If I wasn't at Grace Covenant, I'd probably be sitting right here every week because I trust him. Some of you may know, like Adrian referred to briefly, uh, we started Renew Camp back in 2010 when I had more hair and my beard wasn't gray. And I can honestly say I've never met anyone who can be so deep and so ridiculous at the same time. I laughed more on those weeks of Renew Camp for the however many years I was a part of it than I did the rest of my life. The second year, just one quick story, the second year, is Adrian going to watch this video? Probably. I'm just joking. The second year we hosted Renew Camp at Harrisburg High School and this highly contagious stomach bug went through the whole camp. One kid, first kid got sick, threw up. We didn't think much of it. We sent him home. You remember that? Second kid, same thing. Third kid, by the fourth, fifth kid, we started to get a little nervous. And it finally went through and by the end there were about 65 people who ended up with this stomach virus. But in the middle of all that, Adrian somehow kept his sense of humor, somehow making us all laugh till we could barely breathe. I'm talking 3 a.m., middle of the night, cleaning up the disasters that these students were creating, and he's making us laugh, helping us get through it. He just, he has an incredible attitude. He is, and this is the thing, 
You know, as Christians, a lot of times we're told to like, you know, don't, don't say too much. Don't any, let anybody get a big fat head. We need to honor people, especially when it so rarely, rarely happens. He's wise beyond his years. He's more compassionate than most people I know. He's a real gem in our community. And you all are fortunate to have Adrian and Lauren with you. So let's pray. We'll get started. God, I thank you for this fine group of people that you have gathered together to do something specific in this community. God, I pray that as I speak, you would speak your words to us, and with every word would come courage and confidence to obey you. For every person that's here today, God, I pray that you would honor their presence and speak something to them straight from heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. A long time ago, long, long time ago, around 700 B.C., a Greek poet named Homer wrote a 300-page poem he called The Odyssey. The story focuses around the superhero Odysseus, king of Ithaca, who was on his way home by sea after the fall of Troy. Odysseus has been warned that he'll have to pass through this dangerous coastline where these creatures called the sirens lived. Have any of you ever heard this story? You're like groaning as you remember middle school or whatever. The sirens were these beautiful creatures portrayed as these seductively attractive women who lured unsuspecting sailors with their enchanting music and their hypnotic voices. The only problem was whoever came to them would be killed as soon as they reached shore. Odysseus was warned about this, and so he was prepared. He wanted to hear the songs of the sirens, and so he plugged his ears with wax, and he had his sailors tie him to the mast and instructed them not to release him no matter what he said as they passed the coast. He then gave the rest of his entire crew beeswax to fill their ears as well. Well, they barely made it past because the sound was so beautiful, Odysseus fought with all of his might to break free when he heard the sirens. The moral of the story, maybe, is that we can resist temptation if we're prepared. With the help of others, we can do the right thing even when it's hard. But there's a better way. There's a far, far, far better way. There's another story about a different voyager who also encountered the sirens, an adventurer named Jason from the Greek poem Argonautica. And Jason, Jason doesn't use wax and he doesn't tie himself to the mast of the ship like Odysseus, but he has a friend named Orpheus who has an even better strategy. As they approach the sirens, Orpheus pulls out this lyre like a guitar and he plays this song that's so beautiful and it's so powerful, it's so captivating, it drowns out the sounds of the sirens. His music actually breaks their power. And so Jason and his crew, enjoying this song, row with all their might until they are soon safely out of range 
of the sirens. So self-restraint, good old-fashioned moral behavior. Seems like it's in short supply in our day and time. And it's good, and it's right, willpower. It will save your life at times, like it did Odysseus. But there is a better way. There is a more beautiful sound available to us to guide us, and that is the life-giving voice of God. I want to talk to you today about hearing from God. You were created for that. You were created in the image of God, created to hear God's voice, a sweeter, more beautiful, more challenging voice than any other voice. You were created to relate with Him, to hear from Him, to live in continual conversation with God. Just like the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are living in constant conversation. He gave you senses. He gave you ears and eyes, a conscience, so that you could hear Him. That's why you were created in His image and His likeness. A dog isn't created in the image of God. That's why I can't have a conversation with God. So Jesus told a variety of stories to illustrate this. In John 10, He said His followers would know His voice. They'd be so familiar with it, it would distinguish every other voice. If you're in Walmart and you yell your kid's name, they're going to know your voice among any other mother in the room, hopefully. Jesus once said, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that they might have life and have life to the full. So the enemy's purpose is to kill whatever the creator creates. And his primary objective, his primary way of doing that is to disrupt your relationship with the Creator. If the enemy can come in and break your connection with God, he doesn't have to do anything else. Everything else takes care of itself. Jesus' purpose, on the other hand, is to create life and to restore life wherever it's starting to die. And he does that largely through his voice. Think about the very beginning. God spoke. And what happened? Boom. The world was created. So I want to give you five common barriers that I've seen to hearing from God. And I want to look at a few strategies. I'm sure there are more than this, but here's a few. We ask. We listen. We grow in the truth. We stay in community. And we reject sin. First of all, the first barrier to hearing from God is that some of us are simply... We're not asking. First barrier to hearing from God is we're not asking. We might be talking at God. God, don't you see this mess here? What are you going to do about that situation? But we're not specifically asking for him to speak to us. If you read the stories of Jesus, though, you'll see people asking him everything, all the time, everywhere. The whole Christian life begins by simply asking God, can I get some help here? <laughs> Anybody saying that prayer? I say that prayer probably 50 times a day. But it starts the very first time saying, God, will you forgive me? Will you love me? New life begins the first time you do that. That's the day of salvation. That's the initial ask. But it's the 
continual asking of God that distinguishes followers of God from fans of God who just show up once in a while. Followers of God are guided all day, every day, by asking God for help. Jesus said, ask. Ask me. Ask and I'll give it to you. Look for it and you'll find it. The Apostle James once said, if any of you lacks wisdom, if you need help with something, ask God and he'll give it to you. The author of the letter of Hebrews encourages us to go straight into the presence of God as something more bold than we can even imagine what's happening there. Go into the presence of God and tell him, what do you need? What do you need right now? Think about it. If you're anything like me, you've got several dozen things you could really use some help from heaven with. Asking can be hard because we're afraid of the disappointment that's going to come if it doesn't work out. But asking is like this muscle that the more we exercise it, the stronger we get, the more it grows. So the first key to hearing from God is to start by asking. So maybe you're pretty good at that. Maybe you're pretty comfortable asking things of God, but you're still not hearing or receiving anything. So the second thing is to listen I would say we have a confu we, we're confused when it comes to listening to God. Either we don't take the time for it, we're impatient, or we ask God for something and if he doesn't respond in that very second, we assume he's not doing anything. Even though he largely will answer our prayers when he sees best, whether it's two hours, two years, 20 years later, he knows when to answer us. But the second thing is, it takes time to slow down. We have to slow down. My wife is really good at this. I can't sit still for more than a couple minutes, but my wife will sit at the window and listen. And she has this peace that's contagious. The more we listen to the voice of God, the more familiar we become with his voice. The night before he was murdered, Jesus said, Look, it's actually going to be better for you now that I'm leaving because the Spirit is going to come and He's going to guide you into all truth, inaudibly, mostly. You get this sense in your heart. I never seem to get more than seven words from God. I don't know why it is. But He speaks. And then we need to have the clarity. We need to take, as the Apostle Paul says at one point, we need to have the capacity to take every thought captive as it comes into our mind, our heart, and look at it. So we can distinguish the difference between condemnation and conviction. So just briefly, I want to describe the difference here. Condemnation comes from the enemy. When you're listening, let me tell you, there are always two different spirits trying to talk to you. You don't have to be like a super weirdo to believe that that's true. Condemnation comes from the enemy, and it's usually vague. He focuses a lot on our past, all the dumb things we've done. He also causes us to live in fear of the future. The last thing the enemy wants for you is to live in the present. He never offers any creative ways for you to change. There's never anything clear. It's just guilt and shame. 
And he tries to make it sound like the conviction of the Spirit, but he always ends up just attacking your identity. You're a terrible person. The way you did that, you're always going to be like that. That's condemnation. Conviction, on the other hand, comes from the Spirit. Where the voice of our enemy is vague, it's unclear, it's confusing, the voice of the Spirit is sharp and direct. Last week, I was walking down the hall, they were getting ready for VBS, and somebody, uh, I was like, hey, how's it going? What are you all doing? They're like, working? What does it look like? I was like, why aren't you snarky, I said. We're all tired. And the Spirit won't stop talking to me. Tell him you're sorry. So I kind of ignore it. First day. Ignore it the second day. And the Holy Spirit's like tapping me on the shoulder. You need to get this off your chest, Mike. So I text him. I had no business um, saying that to you. I know you were joking. I'm sorry I said that. Instantly, I feel freed. I didn't think about it again until just now. That's the way the Spirit, he gives us clarity, specific ideas. As Christians, it is critically important that we learn the difference between those two so we can reject the one and fully embrace the other. We get pretty excited about hearing from God. And I believe mostly we do hear from God. I really do. I think one of the biggest challenges and dangers is we second guess that we can hear from God. But thankfully, God has given us the scriptures to help assure us what we're hearing from him is true. The third barrier to hearing from God is what I would call truth anemia. It's like our minds slowly forget the truth and we kind of just get lost. So this past week, I was in South Dakota on this retreat thing. And on the way home, I had a couple flights and I got into this intense movie. I don't, have you ever done this on a plane? You get into a movie and you're like, you'd feel like you're in another world. And it was on my phone because they don't have the TVs anymore. And so I'm watching the, this dumb movie all the way up until the plane lands and it's not quite over. So I'm like watching it as I get off the plane. I finish the movie literally as I come to the gate and I stand there and I kid you not, I'm like, where am I? I, could, I honestly didn't know if I was in Chicago or in D.C. I'm not exaggerating. And I pulled out my phone and looked at the map. Because the airport, you know, was like, I couldn't tell. That's what the scriptures can do for us. You open up the scripture and it will remind you, oh, right, that's who I am. That's right. Oh, that's who God is. That's right. That's what my future is. That's right. I don't have to think about all that in the past. I follow, in some ways, a forgetful God who forgets everything I've ever done wrong. That's right. That's why we have to live in the Scripture. As the people of God, we can hear from God, not just for ourselves, but for everybody around us. And the only way we can do that accurately is if we are people of the word. I'm getting ahead of myself. The scriptures are God's primary voice for our lives. And the problem is a lot of us live with this truth 
anemia because we're not regularly devouring the scriptures. Psalm 119, you know Psalm 119, all 150 verses, every single one of those verses is about love for the laws and the truths and the ways of God. Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp to guide my feet right here and a light for my path in the future. The scriptures guide us for both the little tiny details of my life how should I deal with this mess right here? And the big picture things. Where are we going in the future? People of the Bible, they heard something from God, something that was specific for them. And the beautiful thing about it is as we read their stories, we're like, oh, I could really use that too. We apply it to our own lives. There's really no reason for us to be lost when we've got this thing at our fingertips. We've got the scriptures with us. All right, so maybe you're good on everything we've talked about so far. You're asking God. You're listening to God. You're in the scriptures. But you still feel like you can't hear anything. You still feel like you don't get anything specific from the scriptures. Well... Fourth barrier, I would say, to hearing from God is living outside of the camp. That's how I would talk about it. If you were an Israelite, a Jew, if you were from that original tribe of God followers, the ultimate curse would be to be rejected and kicked out of the community. That was the worst. Because the camp, the village, the community was the source of everything you needed. All of your protection, all of your provision, everything you needed was right there. So to be cut off from the community was this horrible thing. But in today's family of God, for some reason, we self-select out of this community. Now, you know, in part, I'm like, I'm talking to people who are sitting in church on a beautiful July morning. In a certain way, you haven't self-selected out. You're here, right? Are you watching online? God bless you. You're in the community. But the thing is, you can be in this space and be a million miles away from the people you're sitting right next to. Even husbands and wives can be in this room, sitting next to each other, with no emotional intimacy, no raw contact. It's not supposed to be that way. It doesn't have to stay that way. As God's people, we are called to take these radical risks to invest ourselves deeply into one another's lives. That's what made Adrian a really good friend to me from the very beginning. Because unlike so many other people I know, right from the very beginning, he was real to me. There were no games. There was no pretending. There were no masks. or He wasn't being fake. And so we immediately got into this friendship. It's been tremendous. That's a choice. That's a risk. But the reward is incredible. God has put you in this little town on Route 81 in the middle of Virginia during this specific time in history 
for a very strategic purpose. And it's through raw, authentic, transparent relationships that you're going to figure it out for yourself and you're going to help other people figure it out too. I think one of the best things we can do at some point is to just stick with the group. There are going to be seasons in your life where you don't feel like you have it. You don't have anything to offer. But if you'll just stick with the group, you'll be okay. I think of the story of the guy who was, remember the story of the paralyzed man who these guys brought him to Jesus and took apart the roof of the house and they lowered him to Jesus? Can anybody tell me what that guy did to pursue Jesus? What did he do? Well, he didn't roll off the mat, at least. He didn't really do anything. He let the people take him to God. That's more or less all he did. And there are going to be seasons in your life where you don't really have the capacity for anything else but to drag your butt to church. Put yourself in a group of people. Show up to some small group. And when you get to group, don't act like everything's okay. Get there and say, I don't want to be here. I'm in a bad mood. I'm in a bad state. Tell me something good. You can do that over text. I do that with some of my closest friends too. And they give me life. I like to go to India. A few years ago, I was in India. <laughs> India is it's like Disney World for me. I love it. And one night, 3 a.m., we're driving back from some outreach thing we were at. This is far rural India. And we come into this village, and I'm a couple rows back in this, this little minivan. And we slow down to a stop. And so I'm kind of in and out of consciousness. And I sit up and I look. And in front of me, in this little village, House to house is this flock of sheep and goats of every imaginable color. Just packed. And so we can't go anywhere. There's no, you know, there's not like detours. And so we're following this herd and our drivers beeping the horn. And out of nowhere, this guy comes running up alongside the van, goes right up into the middle of this group of sheep and goats, and sort of ducks into this little alley, opens up this gate, and in this group of like, I don't know, maybe 100 sheep and goats, about 25 just follow him. I was like, how is this happening? How did those 25 know to go and not the rest? Well, it comes back to the beginning point here that those sheep and those goats knew the voice of their shepherd, right? But what really struck me was really only a couple of them had to really know the voice of the shepherd and the others just had to know the other sheep. You following me? You don't have to have everything right. You just have to at least hang with the people who get at least some of it right. And the last thing, so we've talked about to hearing from God, we have to ask, we have to listen, 
We have to live in the scriptures, be people of the word. We have to stay in community. And the last thing is, we have to be aware of the chronic sin that is ever-present distracting us. We all sin. It's just a part of life. I'm always a little freaked out when I'm around someone who says, now listen, I'm not perfect. And I'm like, what would have made you think we needed to hear that? Nobody's perfect. Like, we all sin. It's just a part of life. The problem with sin is that it disrupts our relationship with God. And it disrupts our relationships with those around us far more than we know. The seven deadly sins of pride and greed and gluttony noted in the scriptures are especially deadly. You know why? Because they erode your capacity to hear God. I grew up on a farm and my dad was a carpenter and we hunted and I love loud music. All four of which, let me tell you, have done something to my hearing. I'm 47, I probably should get a hearing aid soon. That's not that big a deal. What's a far bigger concern is if we get to the point where our spiritual hearing becomes eroded, becomes damaged. That's what sin does. The more we sin, the harder it is to hear God's voice, the harder it is to be comforted, to be corrected, to be guided. It's harder to hear because our hearing has been hindered. Many of you know the story of King David, who was this great songwriter who became king, but he messed up in a really horrible way. In Psalm 66, though, he says this, If I had not confessed the sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. That's a serious word. Sins like pride, probably the most, probably the highest temptation of those who've been walking with God for any period of time. Pride can cause God to actively resist us. 22 unique times in the Bible, God is said to resist those who are prideful. The good news is he's happy to restore that. And all we have to do to be restored is to confess it, to confess our sins. In some sense, it's not that sin itself is the most destructive thing. It's our denial. It's this ridiculous pretending we do that we don't sin. That's the real, that's the thing that interrupts our intimacy with God. You know, there's only one thing that really thrives in the dark. Well, maybe two. Mushrooms and mold. Everything else needs light to live. And it's only when things are in the dark that they can have a hold over us. And the only way we're going to get free is if we would talk to people around us about our sin. The author of James, James says this in chapter 5, Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? 
Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so you may be healed. We need, we need a radically different perspective on confession. If we only knew the light-hearted, light-heartedness, the relief, the joy, the peace of mind, the better sleep, the happiness, the physical health we would experience, the freedom we would experience just by getting real with someone about what's going on in our life, I'm telling you, we would all be far more transparent with each other. Confess your sins one to each other. Confess your sins to a real, living, breathing human who hopefully will reciprocate, but if not, who will at least repeat the words of Christ, you're forgiven, let it go. To be a Christian, to hear from God, what an enormous, enormous privilege. A superpower, you might say. And as Spider-Man's Uncle Ben said, with great power comes great responsibility. I can tell just looking around, there's a lot of y'all who've been walking with God for a long, long time. What a privilege you have. And along with that, what a responsibility. What if Harrisonburg, little Harrisonburg, could be a light for the rest of our crazy country and we could live by the ways of God and find a way to do it that's still kind and compassionate and humble. It's full of truth. But the way we share it with people is so winsome, they want to hear it. Your church is in a dynamic, this church is in a dynamic new season. We're all still kind of coming out of COVID land. God bless you. You all somehow planted a church right in the middle of all that in Elkton. God is going to do incredible things for you. And the more each of us are committed to having clear hearing from the Lord, the more powerful things can be. So I just want to give you, I just want to give you two minutes. And I want to invite you to meditate on one specific passage, Proverbs 4.23, some of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. It says, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. Guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. I want you to sit for a second and just, just think about that. Is there anything in your heart feels like it shouldn't be there? Your heart's the wellspring. 
Is there anything there that's polluting it? Anything that's causing fear, anger, guilt? Identify it. One word, and then I dare you to tell someone what that word was today. Just sit, if you would, for like one minute. God, we thank you for the privilege we have to hear from you. God, I pray that you would bring forgiveness wherever it's needed in this room right now. I pray that you would bring hope wherever it's needed. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are clear and specific, and I pray that you would bring very clear and specific words of life to these people and to this church so that we could do our part to represent you and your goodness in this city and in the Shenandoah Valley. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening today. Go ahead and subscribe to our channel for updates and new episodes. And if you have any questions about our church or ministries, go ahead and email us at info at cotnaz.org.